You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 67. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jalan Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son. How are you? <laughs> not bad, not bad. Mm-hmm. What about you? I'm still skeptical. I wear the t-shirt. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Where is it from, Pontus? Uh, it says, I am skeptical in Swedish. And I just went to the... I went to a guided tour at the museum here in Malmö with the... As the it was the final event of the annual meeting of the Swedish skeptics. It was fun. It was great. So I've been skeptical all weekend and I'm still wearing the t-shirt. How about you? <laughs> Fair enough. I'm wearing my Gorilla Skepticism Wikipedia t-shirt, Ooh. actually. This is just good radio, isn't it? That mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. we're showing each other our mm-hmm. t-shirts. Welcome to fashion show. You can't see what we're wearing, but we will describe it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a giant gorilla hat on it. Not talking about Che Guevara. <laughs> oh, I thought that was you. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. That was very nice. <laughs> uh, the picture's a bit blurry. So. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that blurry to mistake me for a, for a gorilla. Honest mistake. Uh, yeah. It's an honest mistake. Well, after all, we're close relatives, right? Uh, oh yeah, and Yalana's wearing a um, purple thing or a purple thing. That's the scientific uh, description. It's a purple. I'm, I'm into my. I'm into my purple color. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Everything is purple in my house at the moment. Oh, good. Uh, for those listeners who watched Breaking Bad, there was a lady obsessed with purple. Mm. The wife of the um, DA. I know a lot of ladies and uh, young girls who are obsessed with purple. Purple rules. Yeah, it's a skeptical color. <laughs> it's a skeptical color. Oh my god! I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, let's crack on with the actual show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Absolutely. yeah, but I've got a couple of things to mention before we jump right in it. One of them is um, I've uh, recently read a very good article, a very interesting one on fake news, and it's coupled with uh, one of my favorite expressions, which is, "It's complicated." Because I just like it. I, I, I love it, especially when it's uh, put as... Um, I think you'll find it's a bit more complicated than that. <laughs> um, ben Goldicker has a book titled that. With all, uh, It's a compilation of his uh, writings, his uh, Guardian articles and stuff. So I just love it. So um, this, this article goes into the details uh, about how misinformation works and, and how you need to be a bit more sophisticated than just calling everything fake news because it's it's as misleading as misinformation itself because sometimes there are slight differences between t- different pieces of articles. So she calls it uh, Claire Wardle on First Draft News, uh, where I read this. She calls it an information ecosystem and based on that she is, even calls the misinformation ecosystem a thing. And that she goes into uh, explaining how we need to understand the current information ecosystem and break down three uh, elements of of, of what we see into the different types of content that are being created and shared, motivations of those who create this content and the ways this content is being disseminated. And it makes it makes a lot of sense. So I do recommend uh, reading through that article because she distinguishes between things like satire and parody. 
misleading content, imposter content, uh, when when genuine sources are impersonated, uh, fabricated content that is 100% false, uh, false connection when uh, there is a headline that has no connection whatsoever with the actual content of the article, false context when, when it, it's, it's misplaced, and manipulated content when when it's being deviated from the original content. And then she builds up a, a misinformation matrix based on that, comparing these seven categories with the actual intent of the, the, the person uh, starting the, the whole line of misinformation and the train of misinformation. And then comes uh, all the dissemination. And why it's important is because we only try to concentrate on the dissemination part of this whole system that it's on facebook it's propagated on facebook and on google and uh, god knows where else uh on twitter as a matter of fact and yeah that's that's just one thing uh that's not how it all starts and you need to understand the whole system in order to to be able to tackle it and uh, this is why i really liked it and i just wanted to draw your attention to it uh so i really like that approach because even even on the um, on the skeptical side of things, we tend to oversimplify it and call everything fake news. Which is, <laughs> we all know uh, who else is calling everything fake news. I know. Yeah, I was just gonna <laughs> mention. I didn't want to mention the T word, but it's just you know. Yeah, let's be better than the the opposition. The T word. Hmm. Okay. I think the T word becomes like an F word. <laughs> I think it's worse. <laughs> well, like a C word. <laughs> No, it's worse than both. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, there is even a V word emerging very fast. And that is vaxxed, I'm afraid. Mm. We still have that link. If you want to see the movie first to know what we're up against, then you should contact us. A couple of people have done that uh, already, and we're more than happy to share it with you uh, so that you know what we're talking about. It's terrible. It's, it's shocking, and it's very depressing. So be prepared. <laughs> um, but also, if you would like to get in touch for anything else, then please write to us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu. You can also find us on Twitter. And our Twitter is espodcast underscore eu. Um, or you can go on our website, theesp.eu, and fill in the contact form. Please don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us. Um, and if you get our podcast from iTunes, leave us a, a, a review, um, rate us on iTunes and spread the word. Mm -hmm. And as usual, when you're, if you go to the website, you can also see the events going on in, in Europe. We have the uh, Edinburgh Science Festival coming up. starts at the 1st of, of April and there will be at least eight events uh, run by the Edinburgh Skeptics during the two weeks of the festival, so go to that if you can. And uh, we, we, you, you're very welcome to to donate a little money to us if you want to. We have a little bit of an issue with the the donate button at the moment. You have to yeah. log in in Swedish, but it still works, and it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're working with that. I know how it. It's probably because it it was registered from Sweden and suddenly it decides to display the login page in in Swedish. But it still works if you want to try. It. And we're working on making it. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying yeah, to turn into English. Try, trying to fix that. <laughs> well, it's always good to learn a new language. Yeah, <laughs> I've always wanted to learn. Uh, not always, but for a bit a long, of Swedish. For a long time, I've I've wanted to learn a bit of Swedish. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. So we hope to 
figure that out soon but um until then um just please visit the website and uh, yeah leave us a review and whatever was said earlier but now we are here to do an actual show with all the different segments so why don't we start right now with this week in skepticism Yelena. Hi, you guys. Hey. I would like to talk about somebody who died on the 30th of March, the week when our podcast is out. And this someone is uh, Rudolf Steiner, and he's Austrian-born occultist. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not just occultist. Um, Rudolf Steiner was a central figure of the occult revival at the start of the 20th century. And he believed he had access to higher consciousness through clairvoyant knowledge of the spiritual world. And after splitting with Madame Blavatsky, they were together for a while. And we actually covered Madame Blavatsky on uh, episode number 35, if anybody wants to go back. He took the German-speaking theosophists and set up his own spiritual esoteric movement called Anthroposophy, the knowledge of man. Now, Anthroposophy... (laughs) Uh, blended ideas from astrology, spiritualism, Christian mysticism and other esoteric sources to create a a cosmology based uh, on Steiner's readings um, of the Akashic Records, the cosmic history of the past and the future that that exists on a spiritual plane and available to the few through meditation and clairvoyance. So much woo in one little passage that, you know, one doesn't even know where to start. Mm. But... um, so that was born Steiner's spiritual science. There we go. We've got science. We've got spiritual science. We also have facts and we've got alternative facts. It's all very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> His belief that ordinary science was really just a capability to be, to be able to spell, but to be able to read, in inverted commas, one had to have knowledge of higher spiritual existences. And without such knowledge, we cannot fulfill our potential as fully spiritual beings. So I think that includes all three of us. (laughs) (laughs) And Steiner's um, vision gave him an insight into all the areas of human life, uh, things like farming. So he developed something called biodynamics, art, dance, diet, architecture, biology, history, geology, finance. And crucially for us... um, and for everybody, really, medicine and education. We all probably heard of Steiner schools that based on his um, teachings and um, the anti-vaccination stance of the schools. I really haven't read much about the Steiner schools before I start researching him. And I know a few people who went to Steiner schools in England, um, but I never confronted them. I don't, I, you know, we never had this conversation. But some of his t- teachings were really, really well. Some of his teachings, a lot of his teachings, uh, were really wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the heart of the his uh, anthroposophy is the belief that humans are composite beings made up of our bodies and a number of spiritual entities that can be re- reincarnated. So, so our spirits enter into bodies each lifetime in several stages as we grow. And at about seven years, the etheric body incarnates. So um, for those who know about Steiner schools, um, kids in Steiner schools start reading quite late. And the reason for this lies in this reincarnation belief. So at about seven years, the etheric body incarnates. And this coincides with the um, appearance of adult teeth and gives strength to learn. 
So that directly, the, the belief that Steiner had directly is linked into how uh, the school uh, builds their curriculum. As far as I know, when parents enroll their kids into the Steiner school, they don't know that. So unless you've done a research in advance and, and specifically seeked out the uh, principles of, uh, that Steiner schools are based on, you know, the the, uh, the parents just happy to give the kids to the school because they promote art uh, and sort of free education and, and stuff like that. But a lot of it is just um, not very savory. Um, Steiner's cosmology is... Um, inherently racist and abhorrent, black people are spiritual childish, Jews should simply disappear, and disabled people somehow must have wanted to be disabled through actions in previous lives. I mean, that that's in itself is pretty appalling. And um, he, uh, there was a, a, jo a joke about uh, how he believed in reincarnation and, uh, the, you know, how, how, how once you die, you come back. Uh, and then so once he died, people said, well, Steiner said spirits survive death, but not a peep from him since he died. So we, we still haven't seen any proof. Although uh, I have a theory that, of course, a lot of uh, Rudolf Steiner's followers probably do see him in their dreams and uh, hear his voice or whatever else. So, um, but there is no evidence that that's the case. Um, there is a lot to be said about him and a, a lot written about him. Um, he's written many, many, many books. Um, in fact, there was a degree, um, a teacher's degree that uh, that one would have to take um, in order to teach in Steiner schools. And when I looked at the uh, list of books that required to be read before you apply for this degree. Uh, probably I'd say 80% of those books are written by Steiner himself. So he just was um, a man of all woo, I guess. And uh, his movement um, grew quite considerably, obviously, in 1920s, 30s, uh, that he wanted to, well, he viewed an Aryan race as a pure race um, and uh, Obviously, everything else was just uh, mistakes you made in your past lives, and that played into a, a political situation at the time. Um, but I th as far as I can see, Steiner schools are still quite strong in England. I'm not sure about other European countries, and I don't know, guys, if you're aware of how popular the, these schools are in your countries. But I know that here they, they're going strong still. There are several of them in, in Sweden, and uh, there are people who have gone to Steiner schools and then written about how terrible it was. But some people have come through it without too much damage, I guess. There's also the anthroposophical movement south of Stockholm, where where there's a very there's a stronghold there, really. It's full of anti-vax and biodynamical uh, healing, and uh, they have their own uh, hospital there which I have talked about before on the show, but which is now being... Uh, or their, their permit to use anthroposophical treatments is being phased out over five years. And they recently had to fire half of their staff. So they're in mm. decline at the moment. I hope it stays right. that way. Hmm. I can't say the same about England, unfortunately. I think Steiner schools are growing strong by the day, as is the uh, you know alternative medicine movement. So. Actually, um, Steiner schools, in some places it's called Waldorf schools or Waldorf education. That is the case in Hungary, actually. Yeah, Sweden. Yeah. And yeah, as, yeah. Uh, as far as I know, it's the case in uh, all German-speaking countries as well. So th there is a bit of a problem I see with, with these schools. I do like them for some parts of their approach, 
But I believe if we reject Waldorf schools or Steiner schools generally, then we probably throw the baby out with the bathwater. With um, because the problem is there are these certain kind of myths and misconceptions that we have to strip the whole educational system off. But then there is the freedom. There is a very positive social developmental aspect to um, attending a Waldorf school. And there are certain parts of the personality that uh, are shown to be improving better with, with, with that kind of education. Uh, but it's it's not the anthroposophical ideas that cause that to work or, or some some of that to work. So it's it's the actual freedom and this is why it's it's propagated for example in hungary it's propagated by by some educators and uh, education specialists who are uh for the freedom of education so you're free to learn whatever you want to learn um uh, and you're you find your own ways and directions uh where you want to go with your uh, education and and self-teaching and self-learning and and learning as a community is part of world of education as well which is a positive thing uh, this is totally different from what i've heard so uh, i guess it's very different from school to school and how they interpret the the, the teachings i've heard it's very uh, authoritarian and it's very much you cannot question anything you are not allowed to learn how to read until a certain age even if you want to so um i th i think there is more to this than what you're saying and 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 perhaps it is very different from school to school i think it's probably different from country to country yeah i think in england standard education is presented as progressive and child centered um and uh, based on our understanding of child development but this um one could argue that this would only be true if you accept that childhood is a process of stages of spiritual incarnation. So it, 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 I think it is true that schools here do, don't explicitly teach anthroposophy. The, their entire curriculum is guided by spiritual science. So yeah. uh, that, that's a massive... So negative. what I'm saying is that I don't want to keep Steiner schools as they are because I do see that it's harmful to, to teach all that nonsense to children. But mm. there are certain aspects of these schools uh, that are probably worth keeping in an educational system. Talking of which, um, have you read that um, article about um, the different learning styles? It is a big thing uh, across the UK. And um, there is a um, Guardian article with uh, some of educational experts and neuroscientists uh, and psychologists signing an open letter, basically, um, to say that uh, so-called learning styles are lacking any kind of um, scientific basis or uh, scientific evidence. And... Uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about learning styles is not we're not talking about uh, things that that are engaging and that keep you interested because because of the the way they are interpreted but uh, there are so there is an interest in the neuroscience behind education but then there are misleading pieces of information out there that uh, that uh, you want to get rid of and uh, for example, when it comes to the left versus right brain approach, it sounds familiar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
or uh, the verbalizers versus visualizers mm. and so on. So this seems to be lacking, completely yes. lacking any kind of, uh, yeah. of scientific evidence. I, I haven't read that article, but I've heard the same thing uh, from several sources. Yeah. So um, according to uh, one study, um, there are more than 70 different models of learning styles, hmm. uh, including these that I just I just mentioned. So and they are being uh, promoted by schools themselves and some teachers are are being offered courses and and further education into these techniques and learning styles so it's it's a very interesting approach and and there might be a couple of things that are worth considering in the future for example uh educational material being engaging and interesting and interpreted in um in that fashion mm. but uh that's not because of how your your brain is different from from the next kids it's because we all find audiovisual content more engaging than just text for example so it's it's a common thing yeah there's no um, denying that current education system isn't perfect so. yeah i'm b- actually obsessed with uh, with some waves um in in education and and some of the ideas and the, one of the ideas is uh, freedom freedom of choice <laughs> in in educational uh context and uh i'm really fond of uh, democratic schools where uh, children are actually involved in making decisions and uh making decisions regarding their own educational curriculum as well uh which is which is um and a very appealing approach to me i find this um, uh, concept quite dangerous i mean as a child of seven or eight years old i didn't have a clue what's good for me so making decision to not do anything and play with dolls wouldn't be the best decision to be made at this age so um yeah but very, there is evidence that, there is evidence to the contrary um if if you're not on your own if you are in um a group you're you're in a community then uh, you are you are exposed to to certain other ideas um approaches and that will lead you to actually and as you grow and as you develop uh you will not stay in that stage you will not want to play with dolls as an adult because your mind starts actually gaining momentum and and want to want to have input and uh but play is a very important part of education uh so these are the things that might be worth considering in waldorf schools or steiner schools as well it, I mean, i'm just surprised playing. because it doesn't sound like anything i've heard about steiner schools it's totally yeah. the opposite Yep. Um so thanks very much Yelena. But you see you see Steiner himself generated so much discussion and so much controversy and even among ourselves the three of us mm-hmm. <laughs> started started to have a discussion about it. Okay. Um that means that we're ready to move on to um talking about news skepticism related news across Europe. Okay, let's start with a very very positive one. Massimo Polidoro's name must f- sound familiar to many of us. And um even his books. 
he's a prolific writer he comes he comes out with at least two books a year and um that is unbelievable now he's uh coming out with a uh, actually he has come out with a new non-fiction uh book and that is called the powers of the mind um that is the title ipoteri della mente Reality or Illusion is uh, the subtitle. It's uh, only available uh, in Italian. Um, I'm pretty sure this is uh, uh, this might be a book. It's a, there is potential in, in such a book to be translated into other languages. Uh, I'm, I'm going to contact Massimo and ask him about that. But uh, at the moment, it's only available in, in Italian. And it was out on the 24th of March. So if you actually read in Italian... I do recommend you read that. Uh, Massimo is a is his books are very engaging, actually. It's this time of the year, guys, um, boys and girls, um, to vote for Flying Unicorn Award 2016. This um, award has been set up by our friends in Portugal, a concept organization. Um, we will link to their website and where to vote. Um, I know it's going to be in Portuguese, but if you translate it into English, it's very easy to navigate. And it's a happy fr- prize. They call it a happy prize for unhappy performances. Uh, a satirical uh, kind of award that granted by concept. Um, and it um, exposes pseudoscience, uh, superstition, and other for- form of disinformation um, out there. And there is normally three categories. Um, so you, you can... Um, so there's a category for media... Uh, and its agents like print, radio, television. There is a category for television stars and art- artists uh, um, and there is a, a category called The King Goes Naked for all those who make um, a contribution to the spread of uh, dubious allegations and claims without evidence. The last d- date to vote is March 30th, which is Thursday and uh, the results will be an- announced on the 1st of April, which is the Fool's Day and just... Another, another reason to celebrate. Well, not to celebrate, to expose um, the pseudoscience. So go to Concept website to vote. Yeah, I mean, go to Concept's website and just look around. It's uh, it's worth yeah, having a look yeah. anyway. Um, talking about prices, um, there is one prize, the Carl Sagan Journalist Prize, offered by uh, GUP, the the German skeptical organization, and this year. They're going to uh, give the prize um, to Claudia Ruby and Christio Boichev. And the prize ceremony will take place on the 29th uh, of April in Berlin, where there's going to be the Skeptical um, event, which is the pre-event of uh, Skepcon, which is the largest German uh, skeptical event of the year. Um, starting the following day. So what this uh, prize will be given for is an undercover documentary. And uh, Claudia Ruby, the writer and director of the, the, this uh, documentary, is um, approximately one hour long uh, documentary. She visited various pseudomedical practices um, and quacks and uh, practitioners, along with uh, a science, science journalist, uh, Rysio Boichev as a cancer patient and try to document everything that they were uh, recommended and the 
the treatments they were offered. Some of these treatments uh, apparently were even life-threatening treatments that, that, that are absolutely dangerous. And they documented all that and um, Group will honor that with, uh, with the prize, uh, with the Carl Sagan Journalist Prize, which is quite a um, um, significant prize, uh, not only because of the, the prestige that comes with it, but um, also a thousand euros come with it so <laughs> it's pretty good and uh yeah boychev uh this science journalist uh published an article on skeptica actually writing about this uh, this documentary as well and unfortunately it's in german uh the whole documentary i watched it using the translate option of google's built-in translation option for the uh, subtitles which came up with uh, funny solutions <laughs> at times <laughs> but i do i do see that um, that documentary really deserved a prize so it's it's totally unlike that pseudo documentary baxt it's a real one and it's shocking all the, all those treatments that that were on offer absolutely shocking mm-hmm. yeah all right let's go to the uk where thanks to the good thinking society and their good efforts the Charity Commission has decided to perform a consultation about all the charities in in the UK or England and Wales, I believe, to decide whether they live up to the right to, call, to be charities, actually. This is due to the fact that a lot of these charities, or some of them at least, promote scam therapies, which have, or, well, by definition, doesn't have... Uh, uh, evidence behind them. So so this sounds like good news, right? Uh, I think it's good as well. The, the commission says that it must rely on evidence to be assured that there is a public benefit, because that's, that's the prerequisite to be a charity, there must be a public benefit. I am, though, a little bit skeptic when I read that they will uh, deliver their uh, results of the consultation on 20th of May, and uh, having uh, investigated how many charities there is in the UK, it's 167,000. Mm. So, uh, amazing number. Amazing number, but and a not surprising number, actually. There is a lot of charities out there. But if you have to look at all of these, because you can't know if and which one of those promotes CAM therapies. So you have to look at all of them. And um, if they start today... And they'll be ready by 20th of May and work. We assume they work uh, weekends as well because it's a big thing. They will have to uh, make a judgment of 2,800 uh, charities per day. Piece of cake. Yeah. They better get cracking, eh? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, how thorough can this investigation be? Um, very interested to see what they come up with and how they motivate things. But I am skeptical. To how, how how well this can be done. However, I, I welcome the effort, of course, and I congratulate the Good Thinking Society to get this started. Maybe this is a start, and uh, maybe something very good will come out of it. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. I'm just trying to think how can come charities argue that they, yeah, they, I'm sure they can argue that they're good for human lives. Uh, they natural. <laughs> they all stand for natural. Yeah, but then you have to prove, I mean, to be honest, then you have to prove that natural is a public benefit. And although they are convinced, they will have to, they should prove it. Mm. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah. All right. 
Let's end the news segment with unfortunately very tragic news, not unexpected though, and that is that the last of the Macchiarini patients has now died. Mm. So listeners to the show remember remembers the Macchiarini scandal, of course, from last year, which involved a surgeon called the Paolo Macchiarini, who was employed by the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, which is very prestigious. But he performed uh, uh, several uh, operations on humans, which involved uh, replacing their throats with pl- plastic implants uh, that were covered with stem cells, so that it would uh, be accepted by the by the body. The problem was that he hadn't tested it enough, and now the last patient. And he was, of course, discharged after a while, and there was a big scandal, and the Karolinska tried to cover it up at one point, and it was a real mess. And now uh, the last patient has died, and that brings this uh, the survival rate to zero for the people who went through his experimental uh, therapy. And I wonder if we ever learn anything from this. Well, I well, there's been a lot of discussions, I can tell you, and there's been a mm. lot of changes to the to the procedures and the rules and regulations uh, at Karolinska, for at any, anyway. Hmm. So uh, I hope so. Yeah, and there were others that uh, Macchiarini worked with, and uh, they had to suffer as well. His colleagues. Uh, it's been going on for three years, and it's been a tough three years on that. On these, uh, I just read an article on Retraction Watch about that, where the, uh, there was an interview with Carl uh, Henrik Grinemo, and uh, who was uh, a, a whistleblower in this case, and. Uh, he, but now he seems to be cleared of previous charges. Okay, no logical fallacy today. All that means that uh, the next thing we're looking at is uh, who's been really wrong lately. So we already uh, today mentioned the Good Thinking Society. Uh, We know who started that in 2012. That was Simon Singh, very well-known popular science writer. He famously published an article in The Guardian in 2008 criticizing the BCA, or the British Chiropractic Association, for, quote, happily promoting bogus treatments. So many of you have already heard of this, uh, I believe, Um, but he was sued by the BCA and later won on appeal in 2010, and that led to another uh, effort to, to reform the libel uh, libel laws in the UK. So it was a very big thing and was eventually very successful, even if it was very a lot of hard work and a lot of money put into that by, by him. Anyway, it seems that the BCA hasn't really learned a lot because they, uh, well, there was a recent article in the Independent this month, uh, and this was pointed out to us by, uh, by Edsard Ernst, or we read about it on his uh, blog. They still seem to promote bogus claims. This article is called Skinny Jeans and Big Fluffy Hoods Contribute to Back Pain. And it's totally full of totally unsubstantiated claims. Uh, for uh, First, just take the, the header to begin with. There is no evidence, and they even don't point to evid- any evidence for, for that claim, that skinny jeans and 
coats with big fluffy hoods. What the hell is that all about? <laughs> How can that give you uh, back, uh, back problems? Well, I don't, I don't know. Unless the, the, the hoods are really heavy. <laughs> yes, maybe made of concrete, maybe. I, I, I have <laughs> yeah, no, idea. no idea. Or lead. Yeah. They go on to talk about backless shoes, oversized bags and heavy jewelry. That could be partly blamed for that yeah, jewelry. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, when you're actually in chains. Yeah, <laughs> it could, could be. Jewelry is becoming bigger and bigger, I guess. Yeah. And again, not even a, not even a, an attempt to 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 link to anything uh, to prove this. Then they go on to say that 28% of women uh, are not aware that their clothing affects their posture. No, well, first of all, you haven't established that it does. So how can they be aware of something that may not be true? So that's a totally <laughs> stupid comment. And then they do refer to a previous study. But according to Edzard Ernst, who looked into this, um, this study uh, was of occupational back pain and has nothing to do with tight jeans and, and the like. So they're, they're actually trying to link to a study that does not then talk about what they're talking about. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Mr. Lotley of the BCA uh, said people should try and wear clothes that allow them to move more freely. Heavy hoods and over-shoulder bags can both restrict movement. So I have an idea. Yeah? I have an idea. Why don't we all walk around naked? I mean, that'll be that'll give us some freedom. Well, I, I could give us other problems, but uh, I'm all for <laughs> it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. So, Edhardon's comment to this is that concrete recommendations require concrete evidence or a link to it. So, anyway, you, you understand the point. They are making a lot of claims, which is very, as Edhardon's also points out, this is a very blatant attempt to promote chiropractic treatment, of course. Because back pain is one of the things that may actually have some benefit uh with uh, chiropractic treatment so so it could be that but so i'm sure that that's what they're doing they're trying to promote their bogus treatments again <laughs> watch your mouth and ed sodans goes on to say that this is the most inadequate health related article he has read in per several months so um yeah not very convincing and they haven't learned anything and that is very a very powerful statement because he's spending uh, at least half his day, I'm pretty sure, reading very, very weird oh, yes. articles. Oh, yes. <laughs> Coming from him, it's not that he reads just one article a month or yeah. so. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, for continuing to promote the bogus claims, the BCA and also the Independent both get today's prize for being really wrong. Boo. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I think after more than a year of doing this, I finally figured out what the best reaction to the the, the really wrong price is. It's not congratulations or well done or something. It's, it's boo. boo. Boo, yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, Pontus. Thank you. Let's see if we have um, a couple of other things to uh, show you, the listeners, and then we're gonna close the show. in or near Glasgow or are you planning to visit sometime then you're in luck because Glasgow Skeptics have got your Monday nights sorted 
We're committed to filling up every available Monday night with talks on science and scepticism. Past speakers include Eugenie Scott, Jerry Coyne, Michael Marshall, Nate Phelps, Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance, PZ Myers, Richard Wiseman, AC Grayling, Noah Heath and Eli from The Scathing Atheist, Simon Singh, Rebecca Watson, and a multitude of local academics and sceptics. There's literally nothing better you can do on a Monday night in Glasgow that doesn't involve taking your clothes off. So come join us. We've also got a vibrant online community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and get involved with the discussion. Glasgow Skeptics. Self-help for your brain. never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us, but there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by bensound.com. Yalana. I have got the quote. Mm-mm. Yeah, that would have been my question. <laughs> I read your mind, Andres. I am a clairvoyant. Nice. No, is that, is that the clairvoyants who read minds? So you are a mind reader, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, but I do have a quote. <laughs> I can live with that. <laughs> okay. Today I have a quote from Baruch Spinoza, who was Dutch philosopher. It's a long quote, so get ready. Those who wish to seek out the cause of miracles and to understand the things of nature as philosophers and not to stare at them in astonishment like fools are soon considered heretical and impure and proclaimed as such by those whom the mob adores as the interpreters of nature and the gods. For these men know that once ignorance is put aside that wonderment would be taken away which is the only means by which the authority is preserved. Thank you. And also Spinoza for such an eloquent line of thoughts. Good. I think that has been all for this week. Oh, by the way, before we before we say goodbye, just one thing to mention. Uh first of all, happy birthday EU. Mm. Uh, because on the 25th of March, I know it was a couple of days ago, but um, on the 25th of March, it was the 60th anniversary of signing the Treaty of Rome, which was the yeah, European economic area's um, first. So uh, this is how it came to be. And then it evolved to become the European Union in 1993. So I think uh, we are all affected by that here in Europe. So happy birthday, EU. And, um, yeah, talking about the EU, by the time this goes out, Article 50 will probably be triggered by the UK government. So, puts a little bit of a damper on the celebration of the 60 years. 
Yeah, it does. Uh, and it's probably not the most positive note to finish the, the show on. But, uh, well, I hope it will not affect any kind of collaboration and cooperation between UK skeptics and skeptics elsewhere in Europe. So, with that positive note... <laughs> well, actually, I'll... I hope it's going to strengthen... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it it it, it will have that kind of effect mm. because uh, I don't really know any skeptics in the UK who are Leave voters. Never mind, but it is it, it doesn't mean anything because I haven't run uh, an actual survey, so it's just my personal anecdotal evidence that I have at hand. So, thank you very much, Yelena and Pontus for joining me thank you thanks guys been fun and until next week goodbye bye bye this has been your ESP experience the show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu join us again next time but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Is that to do with the Swedish girlfriend I men- you mentioned? What? Did you have a Swedish girlfriend? Never. Oh, um. he's, he's looking to find one, that's why. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, dear listeners, if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> After you've... Uh, We're you know, starting don't... our um, uh, our singles segment. Yes, we, we have this skeptic- recurring, recurring theme to, to help Andros with things, to find a job, send him to the find moon, and now, <laughs> to, to, the moon. And now to, to get him a Swedish girlfriend. Any help yeah, is yeah, yeah. appreciated. Thank yeah, you. thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I'm thinking. Hello. Ah, okay. <laughs> Cut this part out. <laughs> I will. Andres, Andres, don't panic. It's don't panic. I'm, 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 I'm still there. I'm still there. Everything is under control, you guys. Yeah. So uh, Ernst, God bless him, says. I can't say God bless him. Why did I say that? That's stupid. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> and this is and this is the yeah. This is the direction our show is taking. Re- I'm really tired. I don't know why why I said that. This is the the, <laughs> the skeptic podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh.